So John was one of Jesus' apostles. He was one of his 12 disciples. And um, he wrote a, an account of Jesus' life called the Gospel of John, which we just call John. Yeah. Or in, if you have it maybe in the King James, it might well be the Gospel according to St. John or something like that. He wrote that, I think, if I remember correctly, I might be wrong, don't quote me on this, I think it's relatively late, so I think we're talking 70 or 80 AD, I think, it's something like that, I can't remember. But I do know that then, right at the end of his life, he wrote three letters to, um, to the church that he was writing to, I don't think we really necessarily know who that, they're, they're, they're letters addressed to a church congregation, um, and uh, these are written around 90, 95 AD, so they're written very late in, they're probably some of the last things that were written that we have in the New Testament. Um, and so, um, good morning, good morning. So yeah, so, so, those, so those letters are called 1st John, 2nd John, and 3rd John. They didn't have an, that's it, that's why they're called. 1, 2, 3. If you look from where you are now in the Bible, if you carry on just a few pages on, you'll see there's 2 John and 3 John. Oh, three John, and I never saw him, he was little. Yeah, they're just, the two and three John are very short letters. Yeah, it was really little sneaking in the back. Yes. Right. And it's the same John as the John John. Same John, same author, same writer, but the, the, the Gospel of John is the story of Jesus. The letters are written to the church, and it's more his kind of, I don't know, what you would say meditation, reflection on, on the Christian life. Also given the, the, the writing to the sort of the things that were going on at the time, which as I said a, a few weeks ago were, uh, let's not get into it, uh, the, uh, the Gnostics. So today we're reading the first letter that John wrote. Yes. He may have read others, but this is the, one, the first one we've got in the Bible. Yeah. All clear? Just what I thought. Good, good. So the theme is God is love. From 1 John, I'm going to read you from chapter 4. And bear in mind also, when John wrote his letter, he didn't write it in chapters. He just wrote a letter. And then sometime later, somebody put some chapters in just to make it easy or easier to find in the Bible. So this is John chapter 4, starting at verse 7, if you're with me. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. This is how we know that we live in him and he in us. He has given us of his spirit and we have seen and testified that the father has sent his son to be the saviour of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the son of God, God lives in them and they are in God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. This is how love is made complete among us, so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. 
The one who fears is not made perfect in love. We love because he first loved us. Whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or a sister is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. And he has given us this command. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. So as we said last week, the theme of this letter is is love. And particularly in this section here, I think I said last time, was it 27 times it's mentioned there, if you were counting? It's just in that short section there, 27 times love is mentioned. Um, And earlier on in the letter, in chapter 3, we didn't read it there, but it's... It says, this is the message from the beginning. Love one another. It's an old command. Um, If I'm honest, it probably has got quite distorted and lost over time. But now John is saying the newness of that old command has come. Love one another. In fact, Jesus said it himself, didn't he? He was asked a question. "What What is the greatest command? Jesus was asked. And the answer was, Love God and love one another as yourself. So he kind of actually gave two, two greatest commands. Love God and love your neighbour as yourself. Love is an old command in practice, as, as old as it comes. Now, I don't know about you, but the words love and command seem a little bit at odds with one another. Especially if you think, um, as we've discovered, that love, God's love is unconditional it's, um, it has no demands, it's not earned, it, it, it's by merit, it is just pure love, just love. I mean, there's no, we said last week, there's no love but, you know, God is love but it's this, or God is love and it's and this, no, it's just God is love, full stop. So that's love, and then if you think about command, I don't know how you hear the word command, but command is, it's usually, I, I hear this you never hear command as a soft word. It's kind of like, you will do this. You know, like a, almost like a sergeant major on the parade ground, you know. You will love. <laughs> you know, sounds like a strange combination, doesn't it? It's like, hmm. So I suppose it depends on how we hear this word, how it's spoken, command. Is, is command a word that is something that's barked at us and we have to do this or else. And usually, actually, if we, if we told you have to do this, there's usually a or else, isn't there? Do this or else. But we know that love is not love and. It's just love. So how does this work? So to set the tone of how we understand God's commands, I think it's good to remember the sequence in which things occur in Scripture. Um, And I'd say, as a general rule, God's commands, God's instructions, come as a response or afterwards to his saving work. Rather than, and many people think this, and they get this the wrong way around, they think that I need to follow God's commands before he will do something for me. But actually, if you look in scriptures the other way around, God does the saving stuff, he does the salvation, and then he says, now, follow my commands. It's almost a response to his work. So you know um, the Ten Commandments, very famous. Ten Commandments, all heard of those. Made famous in a film. And uh, if not the Bible before that. And um, uh, many people, I think, in the world around us think, well, we need to follow these Ten Commands so that God will be pleased with me and he might allow me into heaven, for instance. But if you look at the way it happened, 
Israel, were, they were slaves in Egypt. And God freed them from that slavery. No strings attached. Why did he do that? Because he loved them. No strings attached. And then once they were free, he said, now you are free people. Here are my commandments. So that you would know how to live as free people. And if you read the Ten Commandments in that light, you see, ah, right, this makes sense. This is how free people live. They have to have a Sabbath. Because people who, aren't, who are no longer slaves, they can rest. It's a good thing, you know? Um, so that's just one for instance. So the order is important. The order is so important. It's not a case of God saying, do these things and then I will save you. It was a case of he saved them and then he said, now live in this way. It's the same um, if you look in um, Paul's letters. Paul's letters are form- formatted pretty much all like this. So Paul's letters are the letters that he wrote to churches in the New Testament, uh, Romans, Corinthians, uh, Ephesians, etc., etc. If you look at the format, it's pretty much all the first bit of the letter is this. This is what God's done. This is what the gospel is. This is what salvation is. This is what Jesus has done. He's done it. He's done it. He's done it. Now, this is how you live. This is the way you live in, re- in the light of this salvation and what Jesus has done. This is how you follow. So it's not be good people and then you can get into church and then we'll tell you about Jesus. But actually this is what Jesus has done and now live as Jesus' people. See? So that's, that's the way of his, his commands. Um, and in fact it's the same with church and I hear this time and time again. Do you not? Oh, I'm not really good enough to go to church. <clears throat> No, you don't get it, actually. Uh, you know. in, fact, in, in fact, even how this church started, how did this church start? Children who did not have the right clothes to wear. People who weren't seen as somehow good enough or looked the right part. <laughs> you read Jesus, it's like, he almost went looking for those people. It's like, I want to start a church with you people, you, you random sort a collection of odd bods and misfits and goodness knows what's the people that aren't good enough to get in church he's like those are exactly my kind of people this is why I'm here to he came to save the lost yeah remember that and then once he saves the lost and it's not like you think oh okay well now we'll just stay like that he then starts to change us and starts to work in us and starts to reform us and, and, and transform us that's the gospel that's the good news. So anyway, why am I telling you all that? Because the order of love here and the, the command to love is important. This command actually has an order and the order is this. God loved you first. Before you were even born, while you were still sinners, uh, the Bible says, before you'd done anything good or bad, God loved you. And so he loved first. And it's not the other way around. It's like, oh, would well, you know what? One day I just thought, well, it's Valentine's Day. I think I'll just start loving God and see what happens. And then, oh, he started to warm a little bit towards me. And isn't that good? No, it doesn't work like that. God has always loved us. His love has always been first. Don't forget God is love. Just like he just, even if he didn't want to, he just can't help himself. <laughs> God is love. And so our... Our love is a response to his love. It's a reaction to his love. It's an outcome of his love. And so the scripture says, since he loved us, 
we ought to love one another. Our love and anything that we have here comes from the depths of understanding the depths of who God is. It's a sign, really, our love is a sign that we've encountered the God who is love and who's changed us. So it's not that you start loving people and then you can become part of the church. Now you're part, it's this, now you're part of the church and you understand God's love and you know God's love for you, now start to love one another. Our love is a response to his example. Now you may or may not know that John 3.16 from the Gospel of John is one of the most famous verses in the Bible. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. John 3.16. John 1 John 3.16 is also equally the same theme really. This is how we know God's love that Jesus laid down his life for us. Jesus laid down his life for us. That's how we know God's love. And the more we grasp who Jesus is and what he has done, the more we see the way of love that we're called to. And it's a way of love that isn't just words, but it involves action as well. It's a love that comes in flesh and blood. It's a love that comes through an genuine encounter with Christ. And John gives us a warning though. It's a caution or a warning and, and sometimes we don't like these things, you know, we like to just hear the, the, all the good news, but th- th- there are warnings here. And the warning is this, if you claim to be a Christian and do not love, you're not telling the truth. You're not genuine. If you do not love, John says, hard, strong words earlier in the letter, he says, if you do not love, you're still in death. Eternal life is not in you. If you do not love, you've not truly encountered or received God, who is pure love. You, you, but flip it around the other way, John's saying, you cannot receive the love of God and not be changed in some way. And so I'd say this on, the, on this, this kind of, John is really sort of being quite uh, I don't know, he's, 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 getting, he's getting to the heart of the matter of what the, the Christian community should be, what the church should be like. And I'd, I'd say, if we, when we struggle with love, because let's be honest, we do. <laughs> I am not God, so I don't have pure love. And there are some people and some situations where I'm thinking, hmm, love is hard here. You know, it's not easy sometimes. Uh, some people can be a little bit awkward, can't they? Just a little bit. Some situations, as we all know, you know, they turn themselves around and you think, oh, I don't know why it's so easy to love here. I know God loves, but... Mm. And I think in those situations, if we're struggling with love, before we do anything else, let us meditate and reflect and pray and read and feast upon God's love. And once we start to absorb God's love for us and for those around us, I guarantee love will start to bubble up in you. Do that and then try and love. It's easier that way. Because the order is important. We need to know God's love first before we can love others. So true love is the characteristic sign of those who are truly loved. And so you'll find in churches, and I've found this, enemies who once were enemies are now brothers. They call themselves brothers and sisters. I might have said this, Marla, but in our previous church... Um, the minister of our previous church was Sri Lankan 
And this is back in the 1990s, and the Civil War was still... I mean, I don't know what it's like now, but... Um, and the Tamils and the Singhalese were the enemies. Am I right? Yeah. yeah. And in this church, through Christ, there is Tamils and Singhalese together, eating together, always hot food. <laughs> Be careful of the tuna sandwiches in that church. We, we used to... They used to hand round sandwiches, and we would kind of, oh, yeah, thanks. <laughs> You know, and you just think it's a harmless looking sandwich. But, um, but the, the Singhalese and the, the Tamils, side by side, they were enemies, but God's love has changed them and transformed them so that they are now one church. We find the estranged, they're reconciled. We find those who are completely different, side by side. You know, the, the, in the world, it's a well, you don't really belong together. You don't really fit together. But in Christ... God's love goes beyond that. And we love one another. And at the end of the day, that's what the Christian life is about. I'm going to finish with these from verse 11. It says, Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. You see, this command, you know, imagine, let's hear this word, it's not... You must love one another. This is a kind of God saying, to, here is my command. Here is my, my word to you. Love one another. Because in doing so, actually, you become more like me. And actually, isn't that, it's, it's a resp- isn't that what we're called to? What, what does it say right at the beginning of Scripture? We are made in the image of God. Yeah? So what is God like? I hope we've got this over the last couple of weeks. Well, God is love. So what are we made in the image of? We can almost use the word God and love almost interchangeably. So I'm made in the image of God. I'm made in the image of love. What am I supposed to be like? I'm supposed to be like God who is love. And so there's a response in us that says, yeah, I want to be more like him. And the more we hang around, I don't know if you've, you find this, you know, you, when you hang around with people, you, you, their stuff rubs off on you. Have you noticed that? And um, the more we are in God's presence, the more his likeness rubs off on us, the more his love rubs off on us. And I tell you this, though, it is something that we have to sort of give ourselves to. We do have to sort of make a decision. I'm going I'm to give myself to this. I'm going to decide that, that this is going to be... This is going to happen. You know, I'm going to allow God to do this. But, but this is where we're... This is, John says it's almost like no one's seen God. I mean, no one's actually seen him. I mean, he's seen Jesus. But John is saying mysteriously, no one's actually seen God. But if you love one another, he's almost saying God is seen amongst you. And you look around. And, and I hope you've experienced this in some way, in shape. That when you go to a church or you visit a family a Christian family, you just think, I'm seeing God here. I'm not quite sure, I, you, know, you know, I'm looking at Danny and Brian, it's like, well, they're not, well, they sort of have the same kind of features, but I'm sort of feeling that there's love here. So this, I'm seeing God here, you know, or, and as Gaynor has been describing the last few weeks, you know, it's, not like, it's not, not like God wears a pink cardigan. It's just that, you know, I'm seeing something of God in, in the love that Gaynor has been talking about and that she's oozing, if you like, you know. Um, so as we love, God is seen amongst us. And you know, I'm just thinking ahead, you know, when we have our meal, our feast meals, 
What do people see? They see welcome, they see acceptance, they see love. Who do they see? Yeah, they might call it Richard and Louise and Wendy and Reg, but they see love. They see God. God is seen in us and his love is made complete in us. That's, wow. I mean, if you just stop and think about that phrase, you know, God's love is made complete in us. That's, if, if you're struggling to love, just sit and dwell on that for this week. So when we see the hungry and thirsty around us, know that God loves them. And as you love them, God's love is seen in you. And as you come across that difficult neighbour, do we all have a difficult neighbour or is it just us? <laughs> yeah. If you have that difficult neighbour that nobody in down your, else down your road likes, know that God loves them. The same as he loves you. And as you love them, God is seen in you. And as we come into Christmas, there's maybe that awkward family member that always causes a bit of difficulty and we get together. <laughs> know that God loves them. God loves them. He loves them just as much as he loves you and everybody else. And as you love them, God is seen in you. And sometimes, you know, there's that person standing alone. There's a crowd of people, but they seem to be just on their own. God loves them just as much as he loves us. And as you love them, God is seen in you. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought, we also ought, to, love one, we ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. So, as we finish here, this, this, I just want to invite you again just to receive God's love. I think all of us just need just more of an understanding and a more of a revelation of God's love for us, God's love for, for the, the world around us. Um, uh, there are many people that struggle with self-worth, there's, and they, there are many people around that have struggles with um, being loved themselves. But let's invite the Holy Spirit to, to show us his love again and increase our love for one another. So I'm going to take a moment, I'm going to pray, and yes, just allow God to minister to us by his Spirit. Come Holy Spirit and as we just take a moment now come and move amongst us let our hearts be open to your love let's be transformed in your presence let us look upon you Jesus and know Love perfected, love pure, love holy. Lord, as we encounter you, give us eyes to see like you do. See the world the way you do. Where those that we find difficult to love 
they are, let us know your love for them and let us live in that love. Where we've been hurt and and burnt by broken relationship, broken love, broken covenant. Heal us, Lord, and let us know your love that brings healing and overrides all that has been broken in us. Let us know your love that we may love one another. And Lord, let us live in your words, which says love is patient, love is kind, does not envy, does not boast, it is not proud, it does not dishonour others, it is not self-seeking, it's not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs, love does not delight in evil but rejoices with the truth, it always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Lord, seal us in your love and let your, the image of you become more and more in us as we love one another. In Jesus' name. Amen.